Thank you for joining us for episode nine of Tin Talk Pod. I'm here with my good friend Aaron Templeton, and uh, we're just gonna have a conversation like a couple of really good friends. So yeah, thanks for thanks for joining. Yeah, Brian came up with a set of questions. Um, Brian and I have always been a lot more on the introspective side right. in terms of our relationship and how we operate together. And Brian came up with a list of questions and. I'm just going to roll with them. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm woefully unprepared for this episode, <laughs> underprepared for this episode. And uh, yeah, we're just going to see what comes out. Yeah. So the way that I was kind of wanting this conversation to go is like kind of strange for a running podcast because uh, I don't really want to talk about running all that much. The The big thing that I find really interesting is to think about um, specifically with you and the relationship that we've had is like, I've been able to see an incredible amount of the personal growth that you've gone through over the past couple of years. And I know that every time that you end up on a podcast or in any sort of video clip, it's always talking about Aaron injury, Aaron, tell us about your injury. And so like, I kind of like, I'm okay with us talking about your injury in terms of like using it to explain how this kind of growth happened. But the sure. big things that I really want to think about and, and kind of probe into for you is like, what are your frameworks for thinking about your identity? <sighs> Give me a definition of what you mean by frameworks so that I can kind of expound upon this because I don't want yeah. I don't want to start this conversation in the wrong direction. Yeah, right. Yeah. So whenever, you know, like we do a lot of community-based stuff here and I'm always trying to be like a resource for the community and sure. I you know, open DMs and stuff. So a lot of people the first thing that they talk to me about is like, "Oh, like like how how did you get through injury? How do you deal with the setbacks? How do you deal with all of this kind of stuff? Yeah. Adversity, right? Very pointed and questions. Yeah, right? And like, I always talk about my experience in high school when I had that stress fracture my junior year. And mm -hmm. it was like, my my world was running. Right. And, you know, identity foreclosure is something that we talk a little bit about. And, and for those that aren't familiar, identity foreclosure is this, when you whatever it is, it doesn't have to be running. But for us in the, in the context of running is like, we have this thing where we, we are, we're runners and we hold ourselves by that handle and we prune off other possible identities because they don't fit in line with running. So like we don't, we don't have super active social lives because oh, I, I got to do this training mm. run tomorrow. I've got a really hard workout or I'm exhausted from today and like all of that kind of stuff. So identity foreclosure had me in its grips and like, I had no idea who I was outside yeah. of that. Mm. Right. But because of that experience, I was able to branch out a little bit more and realize that I was I was much more than running, mm. right? I was much more than Brian, the runner guy, yeah. right? And so I'm curious as to like, as you've gone through your your experience growing up and through college and through your post collegiate experiences, mm. like how has that kind of dynamic changed for you? Where have you noticed growth? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I would say a big part of my college experience was actually kind of going through that same thing. Mm. Um, uh, I think in high school I was so, oh, <laughs> I was so good right. that <laughs> in high school, it was sort of one of those things where a lot of like my relationships and acquaintances in high school were, based around running, whether mm -hmm. that be somebody that I've met through national meets or uh, in the case of like walking around day to day in my, in the halls was like people who know it's like, Oh, there's Aaron the runner. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of people go through that. And um, for a while it was fun because it was like, Oh, this is cool. People think this is cool. Right. right. And then, eventually you get to this place where you go to college and you start learning and a lot more about different things and 
it kind of hits you that maybe that isn't what you want. Mm. Um, and that what you do and what you're good at doesn't necessarily define who you are. And I think that that was a, one of my bigger downfalls because when I realized that I wanted to sort of strip myself of that, I kind of did that extreme thing that runners do and it's, and just went to the opposite direction right. where it was like, I don't want anything to do with running. And so it was like, I was a bad teammate and I was partying all the time and like doing mm. stupid stuff. Um, and I think that I, I kind of wanted to strip away the idea that that was the only part of me. And, but I, because I didn't really know who I was at that point, it was more of a, it was more of a surface level get away uh, from it. And so it was more action based than actual, uh, introspection and thought. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think I really tried to just push it away for the sake of pushing it away. Right. More so than um, to actually learn and grow. Um, And it took me a couple years to sort of realize that they weren't mutually exclusive. I could still be a good runner um, and uh, I guess be whoever I wanted to be, right? Right. And so um, I remember sitting at a conference track meet I want to say it was my junior year and I had basically had two years where I was a really bad athlete and mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was basically by choice. You know, I just wasn't trying hard. Um, I wasn't really, um, you know, I wasn't ever really hurt, but I was just sort of making excuses and doing the things that I wanted to do that were sort of just like seeking excitement, fun, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was sitting at a conference track meet after I had just gotten waxed in the 10. Um, Watch Frank and Arson Gurel just 200 meters ahead of me finishing the 10K, going for for a dub. And it was disappointing. And and I was sitting there and uh, watching the 5K, and there was sort of this, like, break where it was, you know, if you've ever sort of slid out on snow you know, you correct and then you maybe overcorrect and so you slam it again, mm. you know, and it was kind of the same thing where it was like I had already overcorrected and I was overcorrecting in the opposite direction again and it was like, I really want to be a good runner again. Mm. But this time, while it was an overcorrection, it was still closer to center. Mm. Um, and I really kind of found joy in running again and was still able to sort of just do the things that I enjoyed outside of running right? Um, without having, you know my total identity wrapped up in it, but I was still pursuing that passion. Um, and so, you know, I think that, you know, that was a swerving thing from high school through college. And I sort of ended up, you know, here and now I'm a little bit more in with the center line and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, um, I have myself completely and totally figured out because I don't think anybody does. Um, but you know, I definitely, I, I think that, um, my relationship with running is no longer about who I am. It's about what I'm passionate about. Mm. And I love the idea of competing. I love the idea of pushing the sport forward. And that looks like so many things. I know that's kind of like a buzz phrase, if you will. Um, But, you know, I think there's so many different avenues and opportunities in the sport to do some really cool things. And I don't think that being... Aaron, the runner, mm-hmm. necessarily has to be a part of that, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that one of the really powerful things that you're talking about here is that that process of overcorrecting mm-hmm. is, like, you find that center line and you even, like, 
I think what I want to pull on here is how how did you find the center line? Like, mm-hmm. what was that process of, you know, like did was I know we talk about introspection a lot for the two of us. It's like, what did what did that look like? Was there journaling? Like, give us give us a little bit more concrete stuff of like how how you were able to discern whether you like whether what you were doing was living in alignment with like how you wanted to show up in the space of being an athlete. Yeah. Um, so I think a huge part of it was, um, when I kind of had that second correction back into the sport, Mm -hmm. uh, I really, the first year I kind of, like I said, overcorrected to the opposite direction again. And at the end of that year in the summer between my senior and fifth year, I, got in touch with a sports psychologist who you know, you've worked with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And going through that process, it was basically him giving us the tools to know yourself, Mm -hmm. right? To know yourself and know why you care and know why why all those things push you. Um, And I think that that was the first time that I was really intentional about the, like, whys. and, you know, I think I find motivations from very different places that other people do. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just sort of the catalyst in my mind to just sort of think about a lot of things. Well, why do I care about being successful? Why right. do I want to win so bad? Right. Um, and all that. And um, and so I think it was just sort of somebody asking me the right questions mm-hmm. to sort of point me in the right direction that sort of spurred this snowball effect of interthought and a lot of that um you know happened in relationships about realizing stuff about myself um you know in my relationships in college um both with friends um family partners everything mm-hmm. um and i think that i just for me it's a lot more in a way letting it fall in my lap right, right. um you know I, I think as we've talked about before we're kind of just a we're a product of our experiences mm-hmm. and we can only sort of view the world around us from where we are right and uh, i find that the most valuable lessons are learned sort of in in thought about past experience right. and so i think when i had harsh experiences with family or friends or whatever, then I would just sort of think on those things. And that was sort of, would always sort of guide, well, why do I care about this? Um, and I think that that's different. It's very subjective for me. I find every situation and every relationship is like why, like the level of care and and where that places me Mm -hmm. to be very different for, for everything. And I think in running, um, it's weird because I think it's, it, it changes all the time. Yeah. Um, and as, as we've talked about in the past, you know, I think for a long time, it was just sort of like this, like animal instinct almost where mm-hmm. it was just like ego driven. Like I want to win because that's cool mm-hmm. and, and whatever. And nowadays I think it's a lot more in the vein of, I think as life is, you know, a set of experiences that I want to be able to experience as much as I can. And a big part of that, I think is sort of beyond this line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that line is sort of like, what can you tolerate? Like, what right. can the body tolerate? Right. And I found my breaking point a lot, um, mm-hmm. just with my injuries recently. And that's something that scares me. And so I'm trying to get comfortable again with the idea of getting past that line more. And right. that is something that I think defines me a lot these days is sort of wanting to experience more and more um and to learn more and more 
and and running i think that that's why i'm moving to the marathon yeah it's because <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like i've told myself and you've heard me say it oh, a million yeah. times forever it's like, fuck that i'm not running a marathon that's stupid like mm. that's too long it's not like that but there's no that's not fun it's not cool and it's wild how i think i held the track in this super high regard mm-hmm. right and that was sort of what was defining me was like oh i'm gonna be this cool i, I gotta be this cool track athlete and i gotta be making teams and blah 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 blah, blah. and as of late i've woken up and basically said that doesn't that doesn't appeal to me anymore yeah and i think that that's not the right path for everybody, but it's, you know, it was growth for me to sort of take something that I wasn't necessarily excited about in the past and realizing that it is something that excites me now. And Mm -hmm. I think that that in itself, you know, it's not not that I forced myself into that, Mm -hmm. but that sort of came to my lap was I just sort of woke up and had that realization one day. And so to me, that's sort of how I frame my experiences. It's just sort of like, it's going to come to me and life's going to push you in different ways. And because of that, you know, you get to ebb and flow with your environment. Right. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. And I think to sharpen up on some of the, the, the frameworks that we're actually talking about mm-hmm. here, I think one of the pieces that I'm hearing you say that resonates a lot with me is this idea of the why, mm-hmm. right. And uh, like, and I'd also like to, to, to pair that with this idea of there not being any set way to do this, this journey, Mm. you know, and one of the things that I personally love about running is that running is such a nice little microcosm of life in general, right? It's like, there's this beautiful dynamic where it's like, there are some objectively wrong ways to live your life and objectively wrong ways to like, to do the running thing. If you're, if you're trying like dependent on your goals. Yeah. right? Right. Correct. So here we have an opportunity you know, this is like to pull it back a little bit to your, to your college experience and to working with a sports psych mm. and seeing like asking those right questions to yeah. see like, well, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. And like, this is something that I think is kind of a tragedy in the the way that the U S and, and I would have, I would imagine most Western uh, cultures deal with running. Right. Okay. It's like you have this experience, like, especially if you, if you dive into it in the, as a young, a young person, like for me, I started as a seven year old kid. And first thing that anybody finds out like about me is that, Oh, this kid loves running. Right. The first thing that they're going to say is, so when you go into the Olympics, yeah. you know, and right. as like a seven year old kid, it's just like, as soon as I can, you know, yeah. it's like, it, you never, you never stop to think about like, is, is that actually what I want? Yeah. You know? And, and that's one of the first things that I dive into with any of the hammer and ax clients that I work with is like, what do you actually want right, here? Right. Why? Because yeah, what's your why? I had experiences in college where there were guys on the team that were out here saying like, yeah, we want to be the best. We want to do it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, push comes to shove. You, you weren't here to be the best right. and that's, that's okay. You didn't have to want to be the best, but we put this ego driven, like goal as like this is the only thing in running and you know it's 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 reinforced on all levels Mm -hmm. right and that's one of the missions that we have here at at 10 men elite is trying to break down those barriers of this like elitist view of the sport it's like i love this story and i I mentioned this in in the episode that i did with joan where you know it's i think it's percy caretti is he was he was like a 70 year old thanks appreciate you uh the gary's oh yeah dog Named Seretti. There you go. Son named Percy. Lock it in. <laughs> Put two and two together. But the the story is that like he has an athlete running the fifteen hundred at the at the Olympics or mm-hmm. the World Championships. Yeah. And he takes him to the track the morning of and he himself runs a fifteen hundred and he says, You you may run faster than me, but you'll never run harder. And yeah. I think that that to me is the spirit of the sport, right? Mm. 
And so breaking down those barriers is really important to be able to say like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're trying to have this elitist point of view. Sure. Pushing yourself for high performance is amazing. It's an yeah. admirable thing. But like, look at why you're doing that. Yeah. Right. Because if you're just doing it by this ego driven thing, how can that be sustainable? Right. Yeah. You're only going to you're only going to enjoy this as long as you're winning. Mm. And winning is really hard. Yeah. You make especially the, at this level. You, yeah. You make the jump. Right. Because this is something that like people figure out in high school. Right. They're like, oh, I cared more. I worked harder. I got better. And then people were more interested in me and it felt good. Yeah. I felt like I felt so big. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You yeah. just get that ego boost. Yeah. Right. And then you make the jump to college and, and it's, yeah, college, it's everybody that was a standout yeah. in college is average. Right. Yeah. And then, and, and so you have the same dynamic again. It's like, okay, well, I guess I just have to care more and try harder and put more effort in. And, yeah. and this is where burnout lives. Yeah. Right. And then the same thing happens for a much smaller portion of people because much fewer people like stay with this long enough or are, have the, t the talent and opportunity to yeah. to go pro. But this is the same thing again. Like anybody that was a national champion in college is an average runner in, yeah. on the pro scene. Right. If especially that, on the world stage. Yeah, especially sure. on the world stage. Yeah. And so it's like you end up in this dynamic where the ego can't sustain. Yeah. Eventually there's a line. There's a yeah. line. And, and what you what you have to focus on here is like, the why will always get you through. Sure. Because what when you are pulling yourself forward through just discipline and through just the carrot of somebody's going to think I'm so cool, yeah. like, how is that ever going to get you to the world championships, right. you know? So pulling it back to that why and asking those questions and finding that framework is really powerful. Mm -hmm. And then understanding that, yeah, there's there's different ways to do this. There's different ways to go about this. And right. the, the way that I hold running doesn't have to be the way that, like, I imagined that I would hold running if I were to be a professional runner. Right. So one of the things that I want to, I want to, I want to question here with you is, um, this is something that I've struggled with throughout mm -hmm. my professional career. And we haven't really had too many conversations about this. I think largely your disposition is much more confident than mine. <laughs> um, but the idea of imposter syndrome, right? Sure. Because the way that I see it is like, I've had this image in my head since I was eight years old of what a professional athlete was going to look like. Yeah. And then, I did the work to get there. Mm -hmm. And it's like that story with Frank Shorter where it's like he's running with his training partner after winning Olympic gold in the marathon. And his training partner is like, oh, I always thought that the Olympic marathon champion was going to be some dude that just lived in a cave and only thought about running 24-7. And Frank Shorter says, yeah. And then you found out it was only me. Yeah. It's like, I feel that. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm curious as like, if, is that something that, that you've experienced in any way, shape or form? I think I, I, I've definitely experienced in this sort of uh, process of coming back from injury just in sort of like imposter syndrome in the way of like, do I belong here in the way that like, do I still have it? Mm. I know that I know that I'm a talented runner, mm -hmm. you know, um, you wouldn't just, have gotten here without yeah, it. Right. Yeah. To, and to touch on to touch on, you know, uh, the kind of the why stuff is, you know, I, I think that the reason that running is so appealing to the masses in a way, mm -hmm. you know, cause there is a, a huge, huge, huge base of the pyramid that is, you know, your everyday runner who, you know, goes out for the community five Ks or marathons or whatever it is, you know, and all those people are motivated by something. And it's like tough from our perspective, a lot of times, because we are so focused on high performance and winning mm -hmm. it, you look at a lot of those people and you're like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Just because I guess, 
to us, we've it's always been so about winning and everything that you look that you see that and you're just like, well, like what's your why, right? And it's mm-hmm. like it's hard for us to see, right? But every but every single one of them has one, right? Or else they probably wouldn't be doing it. Mm. So that in itself, I think, is a huge thing that we can sort of draw on from the sport that it's like there's a wide interest in this, right? right? And that in itself is motivating in a way mm-hmm. because it's like okay, well, there's, there is a reason to do this and it may not be what I do, but it's, but there's still meaning there. Right. right? And there's purpose right. for everybody. And that's what makes running really cool. Like you said, is right. that there's just, there's this huge variability of like why people mm-hmm. are doing this sport. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, to kind of hop back on to the imposter syndrome stuff, you know, in my rise, um, you know, the why's change, right? Yeah. Like, like we talked about earlier, it's, it, you know, it used to be because I thought that I needed to fit this mold of what a professional runner was. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you start thinking, well, what is a pro runner? Am mm-hmm. I a pro runner? Right. Like, okay, like a, sure. I, you know, I run for a team that pays me in a way, but mm-hmm. I'm, and I've, I've made prize money, but I don't have an individual contract and you know, that in itself, you know, it makes it like, it does that, am I pro? Does right. that count as pro, yeah. you know? And, and so, when you're looking at it that way and when your PRs are from years ago before mm-hmm. the super spike era and before mm-hmm. everyone started getting so fast and all this stuff, you start looking at the times and you look at everything that you're trying to do and you're like, golly, is this even worth trying to climb this mm-hmm. mountain? And furthermore, do I even belong at the base of this mountain? Mm-hmm. You know, am I, can I even climb this? Do I have what it takes to climb this mountain mm-hmm. still? Um, and, I think that for me, that change in mindset, I think it's still hanging on Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, there still is days where I'll come home from practice dead tired or whatever and be like, God, I feel like I used to be able to do this so much better. Mm -hmm. And like, there's a cumulative effect, right? Of fitness and everything and how easy things sort of are perceived as, as you go along in your journey of fitness. And because of my up and down, I'm not where I theoretically should be if I, Mm -hmm. if I hadn't have been hurt and have been training this whole time. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think the, the imposter syndrome really plays a role in it there and finding your way out of that is a matter of re-engaging in what is the why, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, well, uh, let's assume that I don't ever do anything incredible again. Mm -hmm. You know, am I, is this worth it? Right. Is there a purpose in me doing this? Mm-hmm. If it is just self-fulfillment, you know? And so there's a lot of those questions that are swirling around in my head right now. And, right. and I, I, you know, I, again, like I said, you know, I, I don't think I've landed on solid ground yet, mm-hmm. um, but it is something that I'm in the process of doing. Right. And I think that right now my meaning is because I can mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way, yeah. you know, and, and I kind of have the agency to decide that I still can try this. Right. Um, and if that gets me to a point where all of a sudden I can find a place of high performance, then great. And mm-hmm. if it leads to a place where I'm just pushing to beat my own myself, mm-hmm. then great. If I find that, you know, yeah. um, I don't think there's anything wrong with either of those journeys. Right. Um, there's no set way to do this. Right. Exactly. There's no set way to do this. And, and what defines a professional runner is very different. Yep. You know, I still consider myself like a pro athlete in a way. And, but at the same time, it's also like, no, I'm not competing for world teams right now. No, I'm not, you know, on the track competing with the best of the best in this country. Mm. And I think that oftentimes we sort of pigeonhole what the sport is 
into that. Right. Um, so yeah, I think um, that's a long rambling answer <laughs> as to to say I don't know, and I'm finding I'm finding out, mm-hmm. and um, I definitely. I definitely do experience those imposter syndrome things. I'm still going through them and, and I hope that I can land on solid ground and wherever that ends up being, I hope it's a place that I find peace in because Mm. I, that's my, I think my biggest fear right now with the sport is that I'll either retire or I'll be forced to retire, whether it's through injury or whatever. Mm. Um, And I'm looking back and thinking, what could I have changed? Mm. And I know that there's always going to be that. I think Kyle Merber said in his, uh, what do you call that email newsletter or whatever? They had the lap count. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that, you know, for him, it's like, he doesn't think, and I agree with this statement. He doesn't think that there's anybody out there who finishes their last race or whatever and thinks I got all of it out of it. You know, mm-hmm. there's always little things that you can change. There's always, right, right. what if I made that decision right, differently and right. all that. And I hope that I can get to a place where I retire and I can kind of say, while yes, there were probably some things that I could have changed in hindsight, I'm still leaving the sport feeling like I'm happy and that I accomplished at least the baseline of the of the why, mm. you know? Um, and I don't know when that's going to be. And yeah. that, to me, is exciting, and that's what's driving me right now, mm. is sort of leaping into this unknown of like, well, the track hasn't been working out, and while maybe one day I can make a return for now I'm going to just do this thing that I thought that I would never do and I'm going to jump into something that's one of the hardest aspects of our sport which is you know an elite marathon right and I'm going to hope that I end up landing on my feet yeah. and if I don't at least I tried right I covered the base yeah I yeah. think I think there's something really important lying underneath what it is that you're talking about here is something that you we, we see all the time whenever we're looking at runners that have been involved with the sport for a really long time. I'm mm-hmm. thinking specifically of like Steph Bruce here, right? Mm-hmm, Where right. She, she was always talking about like doing, following what excites you, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's something that like, when you read it, there's a conceptual understanding of like, yeah, yeah, of course I would do that. Right. Of course. But then you think about yeah. like, well, why am I doing the races that I'm doing? Yeah, right? exactly. So the, one of the things that I think is really interesting here is to to sharpen up the clarity of your why. Yeah. Right. Like if you just have like, cause I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people about this and like, I ask them, why are you doing this? Mm. And they say, well, because I love it. Yeah. It's like, what does that mean? Right. Why? Like what's yeah. underneath that? Yeah. Why do you love this? What, pick it apart, dissect mm. this thing. It is worth your time. Yeah. And like you learn so much about the activity that you're doing. You learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about the world. You learn, you learn so much about life if you're really open to it. Yeah. Because, sharpening up that that clarity and understanding like oh i'm doing these races so that i can qualify for other races so i can qualify for other races so like where is my why in that Mm. right it's like then then you end up in danger of being right back into that space of of following the ego right Right. it's just now the ego is disguised by other levels yeah so i think that it is really interesting and, and empowering to see people following what they're excited by is like yeah, yeah you we, we don't know what your potential in the marathon is going to be yeah. like i've done long runs with you and i can say that it's probably going to be pretty good but um like yeah that's the hope right, right. <laughs> but it's it is one of those situations where that unknown and that excitement like when's the last time you felt that about a track race right exactly yeah. when that that was the realization that i kind of woke up to was mm. basically like I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was basically, I remember just thinking and looking down my race schedule 
and being like, ah, gotta go run another 10K. Yeah. And it was like, wait a minute. Mm hmm. What if I didn't? Right. And then it was like, oh, okay, <laughs> wait a minute. Well, if I don't, then like, well, where where do I go from here then? Mm. And it's like, well, there's one obvious step, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I think that that in itself was a big enough why. Yeah. Because it's it for it's exciting. Yeah. Right, like, again, you know, right now a, a big part of it is sort of like the the unknown. Like that's mm. my why, mm -hmm. right? But it's like, I guess to expound upon that, you could even say it's curiosity. Right. It's like. Yeah. I don't know what that's like at, you know, mile 20 and all of a sudden you're like dying and right. you still have six miles, you still have, you know, my yeah. usual race distance to go. Yeah. Like, you I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that those realizations, like I said, it's not, it wasn't something that I forced myself into. Right. I literally up. just observed something about myself, yeah. which was this thing, this circle that mm -hmm. people run around in our you know, every record under the sun, it feels like is getting broken every weekend. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just like, I don't think that I don't, I don't think I care, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not that I, I, I still, I still have a couple goals on the track. You right. know, I still, I want to sneak under four cause I'm so damn close. Mm -hmm. I want to, I'd like to make an Olympic trials on the track. Um, you know, I'd still like to have, that one 5k where I'm like, wow, I think that's close to like the limit for mm -hmm. me, you know? And I think that hopefully next year and possibly the year after that, I'll be able to experience, right. you know, where, where I can make a return when I'm strong and healthy and, and fit and chase some things that excite me. But for right now, I didn't see any value in me continuing mm -hmm. to try to force what I thought for the longest time was what, professional running was supposed to look right. like yeah. and there's obviously a huge road contingent on on the pro scene mm -hmm. however i think if you polled high schoolers right. and said well what's your perspective on professional running they would be like oh well you know you go through the ncaa the mm -hmm. ncaa system and then you get picked up by a company and then you get kind of shipped out to a team mm -hmm. and then you run the track and then you get old and you start shifting towards longer road distances and then before you know it you're a marathoner and then you retire mm -hmm. like that's the playbook right yeah. like everyone thinks that like, that's how it has to be mm -hmm. but these days we see all sorts of people breaking them all like right. you look at like frank laura you know roy linkletter like these guys who went straight out of college and were like Screw that! I, mean, look, I don't either. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, I don't, I don't like this, or maybe I'm better at this other thing, or this mm -hmm. interests me more. Mm -hmm. And so instead of chasing that typical playbook, they said, "Let's right. be young guys and see what we can do through a long marathon career." Versus just being like, "Oh, it's the twilight years. Time to move to marathon. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we can squeeze a couple more out." Yeah, and it's like. You know, while I have kind of followed that mold, I've almost skipped over the track part because right. of injury. Right, and in a way for a long time, I think, you know, I was grieving over that because I mm. felt like I wasn't ever going to get back. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I have the realization of, well, if I don't get back, is that so bad? Right. And that comfort of like, I don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have to be a good track athlete. I wasn't right. necessarily a good track athlete in high school or college. Like, right. Sure. I was competitive. I made it to the instant LA's, but mm -hmm. like, was I ever in the talk of winning a championship? Right. No. Yeah. Not to mention, it was also like every single time I raced a road race and a cross-country race, I was thrilled and excited to be there. Mm -hmm. And then every single time I went to a track meet, I was stressed as hell. Yeah. And you finish your race and you're like, well, 
there goes 800 bucks flying across the country and to be, you know, yeah, exactly. To be, to get (laughs) throttled, you know? And so it's just like, it's not fun. I'm not enjoying it. And then all of a sudden realizing it's like, well, if you don't like it, don't do it. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, that's wild. And like forcing yourself into that box is a really dangerous place to be. And I think that a lot of runners do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, what's really inspiring about a lot of the general population. It's like, no one that doesn't want to be there is getting up at 7 a.m. when they know they're not going to win and they've paid 200 bucks or whatever mm-hmm. to go run 26 miles. Mm-hmm. Like, what? They want to be there, right. right? And it's like, oh, yeah. a lot of this can be what I want to do. Right. Um, and so that, to me, is really exciting, is just this idea of, like, desire and curiosity mm-hmm. and finding your limit. Like, those are the things that are driving me right now. Yeah not the idea that was very ego-driven for the longest time of like, I need to be this big, fast track guy and everyone needs to think I'm cool and I'm the fast guy and I'm the coolest kid on the block. And Mm -hmm. it's like, like you said, that only sustains you for a little while. And then when you realize that that's pretty empty, it's like, okay, things are about to change. Um, And I'm really, I'm happy for the first time in a long time with my running Mm. because instead of showing up to the track and thinking I'm about to go get my ass whooped <laughs> and thinking, you know, I'm so far behind. Mm-hmm. Instead, I'm playing to my strengths and right. doing races that I'm excited about. Yeah. And it's like, that's really cool mm-hmm. to think that I can sort of fit this mold of what being a professional runner is in my mind and still sort of hold a place for that part of my identity because it's a piece of me. It's not all of me, but it's a piece of me. I can still hold that and still be enjoying it at the same time, Mm -hmm. which I think the grind culture that America seems to be so entangled in Mm -hmm. these days is very much like, if you're not at the top and if you're not... 100%. Yeah, if you're exactly... If you're not like killing yourself every day and like you're not on the you know doing these things and running the fastest and the hardest that you can then it's like it's stupid it's not worth it go home yeah and it's like that's not what this is all about Mm -hmm. and um while i still have a huge desire to win and i am still very competitive and those things are still kind of motivators to me of like yeah there's days where you do have to grind and yeah Yeah. all that kind of stuff i think the idea of chasing something that's that excites me Mm -hmm. and isn't just sort of like I'm doing this because it's hard. Right. right. That yeah. is exciting. Well, the the interesting thing that I'm thinking about here is that on the when it comes to the unknown, yeah. there's one side of it that is excitement, mm-hmm. and there's the other side of it that's doubt. Oh, right? absolutely. So Huge. what I'm curious to, to hear about from you is like, you know, how do you combat that doubt, right? Like mm. confidence is a huge piece of this, and yeah. I'd be very interested to hear how you build confidence where that comes from for you and like advice that you would have for building it in others. Sure. So I know obviously you learned kind of the same toolbox that I did with, um, you know, with our sports psychology experience and, uh, motivation comes from very different places for different people. It can be externally motivated. It can be internally motivated. It can be positive or negative. Right. Um, It's about effective. Exactly. Whether it's effective or not Mm -hmm. is the real key. We'll get into it later. (laughs) Um, But, um, so, where my confidence comes from right now, Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Ah. I really don't. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's been so long since I've had like the that dog in me, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Um, it's been so long since I've been in a position to really have that. It's sort of I feel like I've been playing catch up for so long that mm. I don't really know where it is. Where it used to be was this like like I said like wild animal instinct of like it's me or them, so it's going to be me, mm. you know, um, and so. I guess it's um, it's exciting in a way that there is the unknown of like, I know in this journey when I'm, you know, 18 miles deep into a 24 mile long run and I'm suffering or I'm, you know, spending time heat training or whatever, mm-hmm. that there's going to be sort of these moments of like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And that's where you find those big answers mm-hmm. and like, what is it that's pushing me to get to the end here? Right. Um, so you draw confidence from the why? Oftentimes, yeah, I think okay. so. Um, I think that a lot of it comes from if there's no goal, right? If there's no, and that I think comes from the why. It's, right. You know, why am I doing? Well. <laughs> It's foggy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's what, um, this is where clarity becomes so sure, important, right? Sure, Yeah. Um, but I guess, uh, you know, if your why is being accomplished in these things, then theoretically you should find some sort of enjoyment, whether that is actual joy mm. or whether that's just satisfaction right. from, you know, chasing the thing that you want to chase. Right. This is process orientation right. in a nutshell. Sure. Exactly. Um, and I think that I think that where my confidence used to come from is no longer going to hold true. Mm. Um, And I think that I'm going to find that in this process. And in a lot of ways, I think that a part of this move to longer distances and to sort of being more strictly road-based, at least for this year, Mm -hmm. is in a way sort of like a journey to rekindle what, why I'm doing this, you know? Um, and I think that I suppose I'm going to be, you know, finding out a lot about myself and I'm excited to sort of see that Mm -hmm. growth. But at the same time, you know, it's a scary place to be because like you said, there's a lot of doubt involved. Um, there's sort of uh, this ebb and flow of my emotion right now where it's like, I'm sort of like super excited about the idea of this transition. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm also like, well, I keep getting hurt. And right. I've had all these problems and it's like, well, what if that happens eight weeks, 10 weeks into a 12 week build into a marathon? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, what was the point? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a huge amount of fear. Right. There really is. Um, I, I have to say, I'm 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 terrified of my fragility mm. um, these days, and this that's also part of this move. Right, is quite simply just can I get to a place where I'm healthy again? Yeah, and a lot of people would probably look at it and be like, well, "Why the hell are you doing the marathon? Like it seems so brutal on your body," and. In a way, I think it's because I it plays to strengths that I have. Right. Um, and so the doubt really does start to creep in, and I think that that can kind of be a main attack on your why. Mm. Because 
you know, in those harder moments or the moments where there's pain or those moments, you know, where you're doubtful that that shadow kind of overcasts mm-hmm. the joy that you can possibly get from the sport right. or whatever. And um, I'm excited to find the weapons in my own internal toolbox mm-hmm. to be able to kind of fight those like demons, right. if you will. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's super exciting to me yeah, because sure. I think it's almost like, okay, well, yes, I am. While I'm doing something that is involved in my sport and one of my passions, mm-hmm. I'm also learning about myself. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I hope that the maturity and the wiseness that I see in guys like Reed and Connor mm-hmm. it will, and, and Brogan, mm-hmm. it will sort of be almost like imparted on me in this, in this journey. Yeah. Um, in a way, in the way that I think that there's just as you sort of create the discipline for the marathon and you create the discipline of the training, you, you learn a lot about yourself yeah. and, uh, I think that you have to approach things in a lot different way than you did on the track. Mm-hmm. And I hope that those life lessons kind of get absorbed and I can kind of take the most out of them. Right. But I can't really know those until I face them head on. Yeah. Right. And like, as I've, as we've kind of talked about the experience is everything, right. That's right. like where we kind of find our frames. And, um, I think that I'll find that in the marathon. Yeah. I, I hope, right. I hope I'll find that's, that in the marathon. That's, yeah. that's the question. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it, the, one of the powerful pieces here for me is that piece that like we've touched on several times now is this idea of the sport. And I think that the sport right here is just one example. I think this is yeah, anything absolutely. that people are passionate sure. about. Like you find yourself in that passion, mm-hmm. right? Because in the moment of the experience, you, you have to figure out how to get around it. And this yeah. is one of those things that I want, I would like to pull in some, some more concrete examples from like the way that you are coping with fear, right? In mm. college, I was obsessed with coping strategies. Like yeah. I, I would, I was just always like, okay, how do I dig myself into this hole? And then how do I get out of it? Yeah. Because like, to me, that was a huge source of confidence and, you know, being able to, to trust that like, no matter what happens in the race, no matter how much fear, no matter how much pain, no matter how much doubt, like mm. all of it, I know I can dig myself out of any hole, right? Yeah. And I think that for me, as I've gotten older, a lot of that has been coming from that self-knowledge. Okay. It's like, it doesn't necessarily have to relate to running. It's yeah. like, no, I just know who I am and I can, I can relax into that and trust me a little bit more. Yeah. So I'm curious how, like how you're coping with yeah. that immense fear. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, a big part of one of the things that was really upsetting when I sort of had the, my original sort of like stray from running where I like almost didn't want to be mm-hmm. part of it was that moment where it was almost like, okay, I'm kind of going to give up on this. I'm going to write it out through college because you know, it's paying for college or whatever. Right. And you know, that's super selfish and a horrible way to do that. But I sort of pushed it away and it was funny because it was like, okay, clean myself of that. And then you turn around and you put your hands on your hips and you look and there's nothing. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, Whoa, that was all of me. Wow. That, that was my identity. And, um, and so I think a big part of my coping, at least right now is it's two things. It's one, if I don't try that to me is frivolous. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, you know, I think not trying something because of fear is a horrible way to, to completely negate your way of experiencing the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's a million things that you can experience 
and do and, and being embarrassed or fearing failure and that kind of stuff is really silly because mm-hmm. who cares if you fail? That's where you find your greatest, right. you know, that's where you find your greatest lessons and everything. So that's number one. Number two is sort of this idea of like, okay, if I try and I do fail, mm-hmm. which is like, this is kind of pleads or plays into number one. If I try and I do fail, let's say I build up for this marathon or whatever it is, build up for any race that I have in my sort of build up in this, this season. Cause you know, I'm not going to be running a full until way later in the year. Right. If I fail or I get hurt again, or for some horrible reason, I can no longer run. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of other things that I care about. Right. That are sitting there behind me, mm-hmm. waiting in the fold for me to give them even more of the percentage of my life mm-hmm. that I currently have allocated to running. Right. And so that in itself, just having the things that I can fall back on mm-hmm. and having other passions and right. knowing myself more about what I care about and the people that I care about and the relationships that I build and the hobbies that I have and all that stuff. And, and the prospect of, um, you know, finding a full-time career that I love mm-hmm. that's outside of, you know, running those kind of things are really comforting because it's like, okay, it's, you know, it's like you're running along a cliff, but you have a parachute. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's like having that parachute, you can, you can get a little, a little faster closer. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can, you can kind of go towards the bit. edge a little bit. And, yeah. and because of these injuries and because, you know, as you saw, especially with like the back thing, mm-hmm. um, especially when I had my little operation, you know, there was a lot of moments where I thought, okay, this is over. There's mm-hmm. like no way yeah. I'm going to be able to get back. And while there's a certain level of grief that happens there, at the end of the day, I've had to face the problem in my own head or the hypothetical in my head of, well, what if I, what if I am done? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What if, what if this sport does melt away today? Right. And being able to look back and think about the lessons I've learned and the places I've been able to travel and mm-hmm. the people I've met yeah. and the experiences that I've had and the friendships I've made all of it is like, okay, well, it's worth it, mm-hmm. right? And it's worth worth going through all those things. And so in a way I view, you know, kind of my process through this year and next year as being sort of like this last litmus test on if I can do this still. Mm-hmm. And if I crash and burn, I'd rather go down in a ball of flames that people are watching <laughs> than, you know, Instead, it, it would a not be burst of flame. Exactly. Yeah. Ba- exactly. Yeah. Yes. I would rather do that than have a whimper. Yeah. Exactly. And and giving up because of the fear of failure, giving up because it's like, oh, I'm a little sore. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not in me. Right. And um, that those safety nets and the idea that there's an experience that may be really hard to get to, but I still am going to try to get to, mm-hmm. that trying is exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless, even if I do go out in that ball of flame and I completely miss my target or whatever, well, it's going to be painful mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's part of the experience, right? right? There's grieving as part of, part of experience and sadness is part of experience. Mm-hmm. If I, if that does happen, while it sucks at the beginning, you're still going to find something on the other side yeah. and still a whole life to be lived. You know, we always talk about this a lot and running about how, you know, there's the saying records are meant to be broken. It's like, there's always some faster kid coming down the pipeline. Everything we're doing here is, is etched in sand. Exactly. Right. It's all going to be washed away. 
you know, nothing is permanent and there's always going to be somebody faster. There's always going to be someone breaking your records and that being a part of that growth is important enough to make it worth it. Mm. And drawing on your experiences in the sport is worth it. Right. And allowing that to sort of guide your few decisions and guide your life Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways about what you learned while you were here, here being in the sport is worth it. That's, there's meaning there. And so trying and having those experiences and continuing to work Mm -hmm. is worth it to me. Yeah. And while so many people have told me, well, I would have given up if I was you. Probably the logical thing, yeah, was to give up, right? There's so many things. It's, it's been a crappy journey, but yeah. I've learned so much through that, and I'm only 27 once. Mm-hmm. So would I rather be, you know, in an office pushing a pencil, or hanging out with my friends yeah. on a on a Monday at two, yeah. <laughs> hanging out with you, yeah. you know, and, and chatting, and and that and those experiences are worth it. And it's like, even if. Even if we don't, even if we don't ever see the top, even if Mm -hmm. we don't ever do anything that's notable again, Mm -hmm. it's still cool that we got to be here and it's cool that we got to experience these things. And that doesn't mean that those goals shouldn't be there. Right. You know, you aspire to them. Right. Yeah. You aspire to them, but it's not everything that you are. Yeah. And if I leave this sport in a month because my back totally goes out on me. At least I tried mm-hmm. and at least I learned and at least I took a chance on myself right. and lived this life while I had the chance to. And so I guess in that way, grab life by the horns, yeah. right? Experience everything you can and don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid of not moving because you don't know your why. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really big thing that I've learned is sort of like, just because you don't know exactly who you are or what you're doing in the moment, that doesn't give you an excuse to not go forward. Right. Um, and I've spent lots of time not going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent a lot of time in my room sulking and feeling bad for myself and coming to realizations of, yeah, let's, yeah. let's keep moving. Right. That's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm not rock solid on what I'm chasing yet, that's doesn't mean that what I'm doing isn't, is frivolous or stupid. Right. You know, yeah, I think it's important to remember that all of our careers will end. Yes. And the beauty is in the struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's been fantastic struggling with you. <laughs> so Thanks. I'd like to thank you for your vulnerability and coming out and hanging out with me and sure. having this conversation. And I'd like to thank everybody that watched uh, and made it this far for episode nine of the tin talk podcast to do all the all those good things that all of the media folks love the like subscribe and comment and if you have any questions feel free to reach out to either of us to yeah. further this conversation and there's a there's a lot of information here that we covered and a lot of the, a lot of stuff that we didn't yeah. so if you if you're interested in any of this or have questions about how we've managed to get to this point um with our frameworks and the way that we think about things and or just you want to hang out virtually yeah. in our DMs. Just shoot yeah. us a message. Yeah, shoot us a message. There's always self-discovery for us, too. You right. know, it's never one-sided. It's beautiful. Um, so hit us up. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you, guys. Nice. <laughs> well done.